This episode is brought to you by Feel Free from BotanicTonics.com. Feel Free is a small two-ounce shot made from kava and other ancient plants, and the feeling that it provides is incredible. It is euphoric. It gives you this sense of focus. It reduces anxiety, and it just puts you in a relaxed state in your body. Think of it as a plant-based magical elixir that can uplift your mood, increase your productivity, and give you the energy to do the things you want to do today. There are so many applications for when you can use Feel Free. A few examples are using Feel Free to get into a flow state before yoga, meditation, or exercise. People are using this as a kind of energy drink to go running for miles at a time. And it's also great for socializing. It just makes it easier to connect to people around you. There isn't this kind of background hum of anxiety anymore. It just really melts away. And that also makes it a great replacement for alcohol. So if you're ready to feel free, go to botanictonics.com and use promo code ZIAN40 for 40% off. Again, that's botanictonics.com, promo code ZIAN40, X-I-A-N 40, at botanictonics.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. What makes Sheath different is the pouch on the inside. Now this is a game-changing invention that completely revolutionizes the male undergarment. These are the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn by far. They've got amazing designs and styles, super comfortable fabrics. My favorite is the bamboo and also the V, which is a long leg athletic underwear that doesn't ride up and it supports you where it matters most. So go check out Sheath at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. Once again, that's sheathunderwear.com, promo code TIMEWHEEL.
All right, we are rolling, and I'm here with my friend B. Lewis. How's it going today, man? Hey, going well, my friend. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Honored to have you, man. Um, we've been kind of circulating similar events in Austin over the past year now, and uh, I actually recently played at your guys' event, uh, Ecstatic Bass, which mm-hmm. was freaking awesome, man. Um, caught <laughs> some of your sets, too, uh, in Austin. Um, yeah, I've just been blown away. And, you know, by the DJ stuff, which, you know, you are one half of Cloud People, which you actually uh, do with your twin brother. Mm-hmm. Um, that was crazy, you know. I, at first, I thought you guys were the same person. <laughs> yeah, we get that a lot. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, there's two of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been great getting to know you, man, and, and work with you on on that last event. You know, you guys freaking did an amazing sound healing at Solar Punk just about a month ago, and uh, I was blown away. That was during the eclipse, which was just amazing. And uh, I just wanted to learn your story. You know, how did you get into all this sound healing, all this music, all this kind of consciousness and spiritual scene in Austin? So. Um, I'll start with just asking, you know, how did you find the quote unquote spiritual path? Because I know that we both came up in like the metal scene, Mm -hmm. you know, there's certainly some spiritual aspects to the metal scene, but, uh, it's, it's not super upfront, you know? So how did you go from being, you know, in, in metal bands to really diving into sound healing and, and finding the spiritual path? Oh man. Um, yeah, I mean, just as far as music and, and being in bands, I've, I've been a musician since I was 12 years old in my first metal band, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, with my brother, he played guitar, I played drums we had another guitarist singer. Um, so yeah, it's just, just been doing the, the music thing for, you know, most of my life. Um, you know, played in bands in high school, had our own high school band. That was really fun. Uh, and then around 18, 19, I became a lead singer of a band. I, I really started to lean into my voice. Um, so the drums kind of took aside and, and focused on my singing. That was like a pop rock, pop punk band, mm-hmm. um, that we actually, you know, we had a good little run, you know, for four years, we really pushed it. Um, you know, took it very seriously, did our own tour across the country and just stuff that we self booked, you know, a lot of it was just small little places, nothing crazy, but Mm -hmm. gave me that, that passion, you know, of of why I still love to do it to this day. Um, you know, with, with the metal stuff. So I actually, in my mid twenties started to shift into playing drums again. And my, me and my brother and our, our, one of our best friends did a a three piece instrumental metal band. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was very much like that technical kind of progressive metal. Um, and we, we were really inspired by a lot of the bands out there. Cause like you said, you know, it's not very obvious at first, but a lot of those bands are influenced by things that are very spiritual and deep concepts. And yeah. they, they use a lot of sacred geometry as part of their logo and, and branding. And so th- that, that made me feel really connected to it. Cause the, the musicality is just, some of those bands are just unbelievable with what right. they're able to do. So to combine that with intentional lyrics or just their presence and their, their branding, it, it, it impacts me a lot. Um, you know, as far as spirituality and just my own opening to this path of, 
I, I would say 2008 was when I really first, um, let's see if some little message just popped up. The, oh, the, what's it say? Oh, that's something different. Okay. okay. Sorry. Something just came up. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so 2008 was when I first read, I, I read this book, uh, from Eckhart Tolle, of course, uh, a new earth and, and that book blasted my whole reality. I mean, literally I, I felt what it was like to be present for the first time. You know, I, I didn't really understand that until I read this book and then I felt radical presence. And, um, so I just, from then on just became obsessed with watching endless YouTube videos and, and just going down all the rabbit holes. Um, you know, I, I left an entire friend group, you know, that where they wanted to drink all the time and party and, and I did it with them, but I never deep down, I never felt like I belonged in that or, or it didn't feel good, but it was just familiar, you know, yeah, yeah. I think we can all relate to. Sure. Um, and yeah, just to fast forward. So, you know, many years of just reading books and going to events and really opening up my mind that way. And then 2014, was when I sat with ayahuasca for the first time. Uh, uh, yeah. My first truly deep psychedelic experience. I mean, I've done mushrooms and things like that over time, but mm-hmm. this was like a true, my first ceremonial experience with it. Um, so sitting with ayahuasca, and then in that same month, I went to my first sound healing event in San oh, Diego. Wow. Um, so, so just to have those two so close together and experiencing the sound healing, I had no idea what it was, but... I could just tell the musicians that were there, I could feel that what they were doing was very much channeled. It wasn't like this rehearsed thing. They were just really just flowing with their instruments in a really meditative and dropped in way. Um, And I recognize that as a musician, you know, just jamming, freestyling, but to see them do it with intention and creating this meditative experience, it really, really touched me. Um, And and honestly, I've, I've literally been full head on into sound healing ever since that event. You know, my brother and I talked and, ended up getting our first uh, tongue drum, you know, just this metal drum that we played and yep. um, just, just dove head first uh, into sound healing and, and haven't looked back. I mean, th- that was the first time where I really felt like this is what I'm meant to do for the rest mm-hmm. of my life was like what they're doing. That's, that's my thing, you know, Yeah. which, which was validating. It was, it was, it was cool to discover that, you know, finally of feeling like, wow, that I'm meant to do that for the rest of my life. And, and, and I just know it, you know, yeah. Um, so that's, that's the, uh, I'll kind of pin it there so much I could elaborate on, but yeah, totally. That's amazing, man. Yeah. Eckhart Tolle played uh, a role in my quote unquote awakening as well. Although it was, uh, his first book, the power of now, Uh, I think it came before a new earth, um, by a a year, maybe a couple years. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but I was, uh, one of my friends in high school was kind of suffering with some depression and his parents had bought him that book, the power of now. And he read it and he was like, damn, this is really good. Honestly, you should read it. And I was like, okay. So I borrowed his copy and Mm -hmm. I read it and same thing. I very much zapped into the present moment, um, almost for the first time as well. So I really, really (laughs) relate to that story for sure. And and then when I actually like learned who he was and watched him talk on stage, it blew me away because you could just, you just feel this kind of aura of presence, you know, Um, when you see Eckhart Tolle talk, because, you know, just reading the words, I had no idea who, what he looked like, how he sounded, what his kind of auric charge would be. But it was like, clearly this guy knows what he's talking about. Um, and I like too how he related 
consciousness to psychedelics in a very small way, he would be like, it's kind of like LSD, you know, like when you zap into the now. And um, I was just getting my glimpse into the psychedelic realm when that came up. I don't think I'd even tried LSD, but I was like, damn. So, you know, he's he's tied in with even that, um, which was interesting to me. But uh, yeah, definitely relate to Eckhart Tolle having like uh, a major kind of role in the awakening process. Um, in your ayahuasca session, where was that? Where did that take place? This was actually in LA of all places, but it, it was more inland. So it was very much in nature and in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it felt nice and it was a beautiful property, um, very ex- you know secluded and away from neighbors and things like that. So nice. Um, yeah, you know, n- nowadays more and more there's there's so many ceremonies happening in the states now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- this one luckily because there's so many, and sometimes you can get ones that aren't the best yeah. places to drop into. Um, but but yeah, I've, I felt very fortunate to be held in good hands, and this group was just yeah, just really really honored the medicine and showed up re- you know truly reverent yeah. to it. This guy, you know, he's like eighty something years old, has been doing it his whole life, you know, so you could just feel. The, just the journey that this guy has been on. Um, he travels the world and, and he's based out in Hawaii. It's where he grows the medicine. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that, that was just a life changing experience. I mean, no doubt. Mm, yeah. Truly, both, truly. Yeah. Yeah. Both of my ayahuasca ceremonies were also in the States. Um, both were in Texas and kind of, yeah, secret areas that I won't get into, but, um, I'm, I'm curious because, um, both of my experiences, while they were very profound, um, I feel like there's still so much depth to the ayahuasca experience that I've yet to experience. Um, when you say it was life changing, you know, what can you describe for me, like what the effects were as they were coming on and kind of what you went through a little bit that that seemed to you know really have an impact on you? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that first one, cause I've, I've sat about 20 times now since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, and, and pro- I would say the last like 10 were, you know, I was hired as a musician to, to provide sound for the experience. So I only had a little bit, I w- it wasn't like the full cup, full send off. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I would say about 10 of, of really going through the experience as an attendee. Um, gotcha. but that, that first one, it, it was just such a catalyst in the way that it was very well-rounded. It was very much, I, I kind of, I feel like I got this full spectrum experience. I, I went to the depths of hell and also felt just the most heavenly realms ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started off, it, it was kind of literally, I, I would say split in half. One half of it was very dark and, and heavy. Um, just, just so, mind-boggling the the realm that i felt like i was in and was so new and unfamiliar but also familiar at the same time like i almost felt like i recognized this place almost as if it's where i was before i was born and it's where i'll go when i die kind of thing right um it just had that kind of energy to it Mm -hmm. um but I, i would say the biggest impact that i got from it was i you know during that experience i felt the aliveness of my body so intensely i mean i could just literally feel the circuitry of my veins and i could almost literally see into my arm and just see like the workings of the muscle and the the veins and i felt just everything in my body and my stomach everything and 
I, it just felt like a, a whole reset happened where, where I, I literally felt like my body was brand new. It's, it's like, I just got like a full upgraded version of my body just health wise. And, um, so, so with that, you know, I, I, I used to drink, you know, couple times a week, few times a week with my ex at the time, we used to always have a little six pack and these little habits that I didn't love, but it it was just a habit. It was familiar with her. Um, so after that experience, I didn't touch alcohol for three years. I mean, it was just like, like literally I wanted nothing to do with it. And it wasn't like this, like I'm on my high horse about it. It was more of just, I just didn't want to put that in my body. It just felt so pure and and I didn't want to taint it with something like that. Mm. Um, so, so that, that created that shift for me, completely broke that habit of casual drinking and things like that. Um, now I have, now, you know, I, I don't make it taboo or anything nowadays. I, I still enjoy like a nice glass of, you know, mezcal or whiskey and, sure, but sure. I have a nice little glass, feel a nice little buzz and then that's it, you know, never taking it as far as I used to. Um, so new relationship with it. Right. Um, yeah. Some, something you said there, you know, brought up for me that feeling that I definitely get on many psychedelics, um, which is in every moment, so much is going right that we're not able to bring into our awareness. Like let's say with our body, you know, you could, you could feel the circuitry, you could feel the blood flowing. Like for us, consciously, like daily, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a habit. A lot of, especially in this particular era for us to look for what's wrong in our environment. It's like, where could things be improved or I don't like that, or that made me feel a bad way. But on these psychedelic experiences, you know, you really get this sense of gratitude for how much is going right. You know, your heart is just pumping. You're able to use the restroom fine. Normally so many people, have issues with these types of things, right? You know, like it's, uh, you know, I've, I've heard stories about people who it's, they can't even go to the bathroom. Like they have to have like help or a medical device to, and you know, we take all so much of this stuff for granted, Mm -hmm. but the, the psychedelics, you know, show you like, wow, your body is doing so much freaking work 24 seven that you're not even conscious of. You don't even give gratitude to your body for carrying you through this journey. And those experiences, psychedelic experiences really put me in awe of like being alive, you know, like there's this kind of meme in the psychedelic community about like looking at your hand, right? It's like you start tripping and you look at your hand (laughs) Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's got to, you know, said in a way that it, it makes it feel stupid, but you know, we don't even on a normal daily consciousness level appreciate that we have these working hands and these opposable thumbs and how much we're able to do with them. Like imagine a world without your hands and so many people fucking have that world. You know, there's just so much gratitude that comes in from, from these experiences. Um, and yeah, absolutely. And, and that's one reason that I think, uh, in the proper set and setting, you know, not all the time, but when, when the, when the call is there, um, these things are helpful, um, for most people, not for everyone. Certainly some people shouldn't be taking psychedelics. Um, but you know, most ceremonies are, uh, you know, ceremonial leaders are good at tell, telling someone like that maybe that they shouldn't be 
taking this medicine during this time. Um, but mm -hmm. another thing that came up was when you were talking about, you know, your ayahuasca experience, what, what came up for me was in my ayahuasca experience, my biggest takeaway on my most recent ceremony was this feeling of really accepting how little that I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, oh, yeah. yeah, because, you know, I don't know if it's just me. I'm sure a ton of us have this, this kind of conviction in daily life that like we know why a person said a thing or why they're that way or why they didn't do something the way that you wanted it. Or there's so many things that we feel we know the answer to. And in the ayahuasca experience, it showed me, dude, you don't know. Like you're just think you're sitting around thinking, you know, all this and that and why they did that and why you do this and why it's this way and why things are the way they are. And it showed me like, dude, you barely know 1% of what's going on. So really just sit in humble and in a humble kind of reverence for what's going on and accept that you don't have to know. And since doing that, it's relieved so much stress and anxiety from my life. Like it's gone down such a large percentage, like probably by like 50, 70%, you know, less stress and anxiety. And just that one teaching from ayahuasca, which is you don't know. So don't act like you do. And it's not like sometimes I fall into it. Sometimes I, I still think I know things for sure. For sure, yeah. But, but then I'll reflect and I'll be like, why am I feeling this way? Well, it's because you think you know this. Why don't you sit down and meditate? And then in my meditation, it'll come back to me. It'll be like, let go of this quote unquote knowing that you think you have. And then I've always feel so much, so much better. So <laughs> how liberating to realize we, we actually don't know anything. Right. <laughs> we ba basically barely know like just 1% of what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. And, and I could, it, it totally makes sense why the anxiety would, would dissipate because that anxiety comes from this trying to control something that is totally elusive. And we don't know all the nuances of why things transpire the way they do with relationships or people or why they made those choices. And, we take things so personally, but we don't know exactly what's going on in their internal world and why they made certain choices that led up to whatever action they did that wasn't didn't feel good to receive that. Right. But it just kind of brings this more bird's eye view of like, you know, we're all trying to do our best and nobody knows what the hell is going on. Right. You know, we're just here trying to have a human experience, a temporary, very temporary experience. We're, we're here and then we're gone. You know, it's, 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 yeah, I, I would say psychedelics has, has really got me to a place of more and more. I mean, it's, it's constant work, but just to realize how much we're really just here to ex have the experience and play the game of life and experience joy and, and not like this ignorance is bliss, you know, butterfly and rainbow type way, but it's just like we don't have to take life as seriously as we do. And, yeah. and I think a lot of us, especially in our society these days, take things so seriously and we, we got to plan, we got to get this done and future goals and all these things. And it's taking you away from the present moment, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and that creates suffering. Um, so I, I do feel like psychedelics really does just hone you in right into that zero point of, of the present moment. And then you realize, Oh man, my energy has been spread out to a lot of things that I don't have control over. It's totally true. Yeah. 1000%. That's beautiful. So, 
to get back to the sound healing, um, what was it that you kind of experienced um, when you had that first sound healing? Because, you know, clearly you felt the dharmic pull of, wow, what I'm experiencing, you know, probably within myself, but also within the community is beautiful. And I'm feeling just like super pulled towards that. You know, for example, one of my first concerts, um, I believe it was Nine Inch Nails. Uh, yeah like that was the experience i got which was wow what i'm seeing these guys do on stage i'm feeling the dharmic pull i'm feeling like wow like music is so powerful i'm so inspired these guys are so talented it's really blowing my mind and it's making me feel this feeling i haven't felt before which was a sense of purpose of what I'm drawn towards because previous to that, you know, it's kind of like, why am I here, you know, to play video games, you know, <laughs> but when I had that experience, I was like, damn, so there is something that I like and there is something that I'm drawn to. So for yourself, you know, what was that experience of, of coming into the Dharmic realization that sound healing was your path? I mean, it, it's, you know, like I was saying it, to have like the same to have my first eye experience in a truly my first ceremonial setting. And then that same month sitting with my first sound healing experience, just to have those two so close together because, you know, my, my life, I, I felt like that was such a cattle catalyst, uh, moment for me to go through this ayahuasca experience and then experience something where it's, it's driven by sound and musicianship and, and these things that I've been doing my whole life already. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was just the combination of those two that made me realize like, whoa, you know, I, I, I could totally do this, you know, with, with dropping into a ceremonial space and, and bringing sounds in a way that's, it is freestyling. It's, it's just like when you jam with musicians and just kind of let that magic come to life, yeah. but to do it with intention and, and really just getting out of your own way, letting the instruments uh, do what they do. Mm-hmm. I, I just, it just resonated with me. It was, it was just like an instant knowing of that. I'm, this is like my thing. I, this is, I could see myself doing this until I die and yeah. be totally happy doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I, I think it was that and just the unique instruments too. You know, I've, I've never seen some of the instruments they were using either. I'm, I'm, I'm used to being in bands and guitars, yeah. drums, all these things that we all know, but, but they had these unique things and like the didgeridoo and the rain sticks and mm-hmm. chimes and and it had this musical feeling but it was also like created spaciousness it was like this I, I, I didn't realize you could make instruments create that kind of experience mm-hmm. you know with, with drums guitar and, and being in bands you know it's a very straightforward you're feeling exactly what is happening and it's, it's a very kind of straightforward receiving of those sounds whereas like in a sound healing space it's very kind of abstract and it has this it creates this feeling of you don't really know where it's going and it puts you in that kind of theta experience um whereas like bands you know it's more you know very direct in in, in that way yeah very tempo oriented and um yeah that you know songs have certain progressions and stuff that people can feel are coming it's like oh the drop's coming you know (laughs) yeah Um, that type of thing but um yeah i had the same exact experience at your guys's sound healing at the end of ecstatic bass the the first event i went to which was like three ago um 
I had never seen pretty much all of the instruments y'all whipped out. And so <laughs> I was at the same time, and, you know, I've, actually I've seen didgeridoo. I, I have a didgeridoo and I play a little bit. I'm not, I'm not really good at the circular breathing yet. It's just something I'm still working on. But uh, yeah. that was like the one thing that I was like, oh, didg, cool. Um, nice. but so many of the other instruments y'all pulled out, I was in the same kind of sense of awe that you, you were in when you saw them first, which was, what is that? And how is it making me feel this way? You know, um, I've thought about this instrument so many times since I saw you guys play it. What is like the, it was almost like a cross, like a T and you would like wave it down and be like, oh, yeah. like, what is that one, dude? <laughs> Yeah, that, that one, I, I think literally that's everyone's favorite. Every time I, I pull those out, it's like there's always peekers in the crowd, you know, with their eyes closed, but they always look up like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Um, and then I always get asked at the end, but I, I don't know what they're technically called. I just call them sound swords. That's what it uh, looks like. <laughs> cause they look, yeah, they look like these like sabers and they kind of sound like lightsabers actually. It has a like, whoa, 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 mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah. I'll have to look at the brand too. Cause I, I literally a friend last year, I've, I've never seen him before and, and he had him and instantly I, after I went up to him, like, please tell me, send me the link. I need to buy this right now. Right. Um, and they were very, very affordable. It was like 120 bucks, I think for both of them. And the, wow. the material is very light and, and, you know, not, not expensive at all, but they're made in this perfect way with the rubber bands around them that create this like vibration, like, yeah, um, and it, it does, it creates like this psychedelic feeling for sure. It has this, like, you know, the way you move it. And especially if you're lying down Shavasana style and you're having that waved left and right over you, or, you know, two of them on each, each side of your ears, mm. uh, it, it creates this, like, I don't know, like a very psychedelic feeling. Yeah. Very trans inducing mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Resonate with that. And I might have to be, I might have to further the lineage of the link asking because, uh, oh, for sure <laughs> for 120 bucks, man, I got to get one of these things. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, man. They're, I feel like everyone should have them. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah. Glad to learn more about how you came into sound healing because yeah, you guys are so talented at it. Um, definitely really appreciate what you're doing. Thanks man. Yeah. For the, the oral vibes out there, but, um, you know, what's funny actually, I'll, I'll just say this with, with yeah. cloud people. So that's actually what we called our trio instrumental metal band. That, oh, that's okay. actually what we started with. And we were going to call ourselves cloud people. Mm-hmm. And that name came, I, I think it came to me just randomly i was kind of just meditating on it and cloud people showed up I'm like yeah, that sounds like a cool name i like the feeling of that but there was no other really deeper meaning than that mm-hmm. um and then you know the, the band didn't work out and then we both discovered sound healing and so we adapted that to being our sound healing duo yeah. name but we actually found out a couple years ago that a friend of ours went to peru my brother and i are basically half peruvian um and our friend visited Peru and she came back and she said, you guys, you won't believe this. But when I was there, I learned about this ancient tribe in Peru called the Chachapoyas, which means the cloud people. Oh, wow. And, and they're this ancient, <laughs> yeah, they, they don't exist anymore. They're basically extinct, but they lived up high in the mountains and they had fair skin. They, ju- they just, they were almost like their own different kind of race within Peru. Yeah. Um, fair, like blonde hair, I think. Um, Mm-hmm. so they were called the cloud people because we were way up in the mountains and the clouds were up there yeah so it was just a very interesting like like what are the odds that i pulled in this name and i'm i have proving in my blood and then there's this ancient tribe called the cloud people it was just pretty yeah. uncanny to 
I know. Dude, that's freaking wild. I wish we could get some concrete evidence as to how that type of shit happens. Because I've certainly had endless synchronicities as well in a very similar vein to that. That it's like, it's almost like you came in to this life and there's this predetermined thing or like past life residue attached and so many magical things can happen and open up it when you're open to them um, exactly. and yeah you know like you can never really put your finger on what it is but certainly a ton of people are experiencing that you know I, I would just call it synchronicity I mean there is this concept that I've explored quite a bit on the pod um, called the 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 diamond or the daemon there's a couple ways to say it but it's this kind of guardian angel we have that feeds us these synchronicities and these knowings and these intuitions based on what it knows you're meant to be Mm. um so the the big metaphor that's used a lot is the acorn metaphor which is like inside of an acorn is some knowing that it's meant to be an oak tree but how different is an acorn in an oak tree like drastically you know one's super tiny and you don't you just step on it and it cracks and one is like this freaking gigantic freaking beast of a plant you know that is just like so epic but they're the same thing you know um it just one grows into that so the metaphor is like you know we, we are the acorn and we're meant to be the oak tree and the daemon is this kind of thing that feeds you the breadcrumb trail of this knowing this this these intuitions these synchronicities that are leading us to our ultimate path you know what i mean right so in a way it's like you know you you're you were destined to be a sound healer and somehow there's this yeah there's this freaking magical thing that we can't really like logically understand pulling you in that direction and i feel the very same thing with me and you know what i'm doing with time wheel and my podcast and the music you know as an artist you know there's so many ways i've been kind of sidelined or like uh, distracted from what my true dharma is which is all those things i just mentioned but something always guides me back something always is and it's almost just like this feeling of fulfillment you know, it's like when you when you do something that fulfills you, like a live set or sound healing, and you have this glow of just like, wow, I feel so, my cup is so full after doing that. I felt that after the Ecstatic Bass event with you guys. <laughs> um, you just want to keep kind of following that. You know what I mean? That That's literally... It, literally after every sound healing I ever do, I, I feel exactly that. Like, like without fail, it, whether it's for like literally one person as a one-on-one session or for 80 people at an event, it's the same exact feeling of, I just feel so full from it and so satisfied. And it, it just gives me like life force to be able to do this thing that I know I'm meant to do. And I think a, a lot of people are afraid to do that, especially as artists and musicians, because we can be looked at as like, well, how's that going to support you? And, and especially from parents, you know, they kind of yeah. like worry about that, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I really do believe, you know, if, if we lean into that thing that really fires us up and leans and, and, and 
we feel totally that we're meant to do this for our life, that we will be supported by that. And, it, and it's not just woo woo spirituality. I mean, people feel inspired by watching others being in their element. You know, when they see you throw in a really dope DJ set that people can just feel your energy and, and how you're owning that and how much you love it. And it inspires other people to want to do the same with whatever yeah. they want to do. You know, so we're, we're actually creating, I, I feel like in a way permission for people to see us in our passion and own it. And, it, and that gives people the, the permission to feel like, Oh man, they're totally doing it. I, I have passions that I'm doing, mm-hmm. but maybe you know they're working like a corporate job because they want the security but mm-hmm. really it's not making them feel inspired um so i i think that there's something to say when we lean into that that there is some mysterious force that supports that right. and there, there is some kind of channel that feeds in more of those breadcrumbs that keep pulling us towards what we're meant to do yeah you know so yeah it's well said I, I like that you worded it that way for sure yeah, that's awesome yeah and once we do follow that breadcrumb trail, it's almost like the curve of advancement gets more and more exponential as well. It's like it's it starts mm-hmm. slow and then it's like slowly just like going up, up, up and more opportunities are coming. Your name's getting out there, you know, more networking is happening. It's almost as if, as if by magic, you know, like when you're doing something you really are meant to do and you feel this fulfillment coming from it. Um, and you throw yourself into it more and more comes, you know, like I've watched one of my friends. I'm actually wearing a shirt right now. Savage. This is one of his OG shirts. I've watched that dude from the release of his first album, um, which we supported on time wheel, like just do that exact thing where his just career just skyrocketed. And, and I could tell it's because he's, he's really channeling his soul. He's really, following that uh breadcrumb trail 150 percent and you know so many people as you just said could feel that off of him and it just inspires and and creates more and more of that advancement so i I love his story because it, it just shows how you can you know find a a soul calling and just follow it and go all in on it and just like what magic can happen you know what i mean truly truly man yeah i mean it's and it's funny because you know in in this life there are moments where yeah there's those months over over like the many years of being a musician and and me doing this you know especially with sound healing i've I've really leaned into it full time for the last three years Mm -hmm. um but you, there's there's those periods where yeah there you have those lulls and sometimes that income isn't coming in and you start to have those thoughts of like man you know I got to figure something out and you know what do I do, um, but I, I just know for me I just I literally couldn't even imagine breaking away from what I love to do mm-hmm. to try to find something else that might be more secure but it's like my soul just would feel crushed in that environment you know. Yeah. Um, and, and again, we have to be smart and obviously if there's sacrifices needed to be made, then that's, that's fine. But as long as your vision is still at the forefront of, I'm going to keep feeling this thing that I love to do. I, I just, I really believe that, you know, the universe, whatever we want to call it is going to support that. It's, it's just like a law. It's a law yeah. of our reality that if you just keep being consistent and persistent with it, mm-hmm. that things will start to support that and come your way or someone will notice or 
someone will plug you to the right person that will open up this whole thing. And I've right. seen, it's happened so many times with my brother and I, many, many times where this one little conversation happens and now we're invited to this beautiful retreat in some exotic country and then we meet the people there and then it just keeps expanding and expanding. Right. Um, so it just, yeah, I feel really grateful to, especially to my parents too. Uh, and, uh, just while we're riffing about this, I'm like realizing this in real time that I feel so grateful that I had parents that really actually cultivated that and nurtured that with us. You know, they, they really allowed us to play our instruments and be in our music and they didn't shove, you know, college down our throats or, or any, like you have to do this job. Like they really kept the space open for us to just discover our passion on our own. Yeah. Which, which is really beautiful. And I know a lot of people don't have that story. You know, there's right. a lot of parents that kind of try to direct where their kids should go. And, and then that creates this inner conflict of, I don't want to let my parents down, but I really love to do this. And that's what really makes me happy. And right. So for anyone listening to this, you know, I, I just can't express enough that I know it might be scary, but, but if whatever it is that you're passionate about, whether it's fucking basket weaving or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it is, but if it fuels you up that I, I promise it's going to, it's going to be worth it. Then, yeah. then, playing it safe you know yeah 1000% percent. yeah with the parents thing you know are you guys you're the your parents first children yeah oh, okay yep. because I'm the third born in my family and I definitely got a lot of that support as well very blessed um, but I've heard these kind of parental rumors that essentially parents get more and more chill with their kids like the more of them they have because they uh -huh. learned that being so kind of disciplined never really worked. You right. know, it just made them want to rebel even harder, right? So I was I was a third born and, and very lucky uh, that my mom was very cultivating of my art artistic uh, yearnings as well, you know, from wanting to be like a film director to then, um, which I'm still pursuing um, in an independent fashion uh, to the music that came up and then st I still continue as well but you know the podcasting thing came much later um but yeah she's been she's been supportive you know the whole while so that's definitely a blessing to have for sure um honestly surprised to hear that that they were that way with you guys being the firstborn with you know you just got lucky maybe <laughs> yeah I I, I think especially my dad, I think he was just really blown away at how fast we picked up our instruments. And, you know, I, I begged to, to have a drum set for many years as a kid. And he was like, ah, you know, I don't know. It's too loud. Or I don't know if you really want it. Mm -hmm. And then finally at around 11 and a half or so, you know, he said, you know, if you really do want a drum set, then I really need to see that you really want it. And, you, and it's not just some hobby that you're going to pick up for a month and then just sits there collecting dust. And yeah. so I, I literally, he brought me a rubber drum pad and some drumsticks, like a practice pad. Yeah. Um, and I played on that thing every day for like <laughs> three months. I mean, literally just doing little paradiddles and just little right. rhythms. And, and he ended up walking in my room one day just opened the door and saw me by myself taking the time to practice. And, and he told me, you know, years later, he's like, that was a moment where I knew, okay, he's, he's really serious. Like I didn't even tell him to practice. He's like, just doing it. Yeah. Um, and then my 12th birthday is when, when I walked into the house with this full blown drum set set up and mm -hmm. yeah, I, I just remember it's, it's funny that we're talking about this cause I'm like remembering these things that I haven't thought of in so long. Sure. Um, but I, I was able to pick up a really 
you know, cool rhythm on the snare and I was doing like a, you know, kick drum at the same time and everything was like really synced up. And I just remember my dad really impressed, you know, he was just really shocked at how fast I picked it up. So I I think that was his excitement of just watching his kids, you know, pick up something that he has no idea how to do. Um, and he was really inspired by that. My brother, you know, he picked up the guitar equally as fast. I mean, he just knew how to just noodle on that thing Mm -hmm. without any lessons at all. Um, yeah, we've never taken lessons musically for anything. You know, it was, it was all just stuff that we intuitively, you know, played with and explored. Wow. Um, so I, I think that's a big reason why, and especially in like our teen years, high school. I mean, literally my dad let us, we had two living rooms, like kind of side by side. One was like the dining room area and then separately was like the couch and the TV area. Mm-hmm. And he would let us blast full, full blast, like guitar, amp, drums, and we're covering Blink-182 songs and all, all these things that we love to play. And he would sit there and just trying to watch tv (laughs) there's no way you're enjoying the tv show (laughs) you can't hear anything right but i think he felt like some kind of peace around it that like yeah his kids are like doing something epic over there totally so it was was really cool that they they allowed us to do that for sure yeah yeah i gotta give a shout out to um my one of my best friends nick his dad uh, mr ed who let us take control of his house you know on the (laughs) afternoons after school to do our band rehearsals and yeah definitely gave me a very similar vibe what you were saying there it wasn't my dad but it was my friend's dad and those were some of the best freaking years man just you know when there was really no it was really even no hope for a career it was like we're just doing this because it's strictly fun you know what i mean it's like when when the whole like I don't know, career thing comes in, you know, as, as adults, it makes more sense. But as kids, it, it can add an unnecessary amount of pressure um, to, to, to do more than just play, you know? So I like to kind of harken back to that spirit of do it to play, do it for the fun of play. Let's stay connected to play. You know, like they, they say um, the artist is how does the saying go? It's almost like the, the someone who's stayed in contact with their inner child. Um, so many of us like sever our inner child because it doesn't serve this capitalistic paradigm that we live in. Exactly. Um, but the artist can, can stay in contact with that and go on to inspire so many people. And I mean, even shift culture. I mean, I feel like art and music shifts culture more than like politics and more than capitalism you know what i mean so it's really a special role that we hold as as musicians and curators and artists and these are very very um important positions um to be in and to continue to further that lineage by inspiring the future generations for sure exactly no, it's, it's true. I mean, mu- music is so incredibly powerful. And that's why I believe a lot of the mainstream stuff that's out there, you know, not to tear it apart, but there, there's a lot of trash out there that I call fast food music, right. you know, where it's just, it just has those quick little chops, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, very simple. Mm-hmm. And it's very, you know, it's they're very catchy, but they actually have messages that aren't inspiring especially for younger generations it's always about money or or chicks or sex and and all these things that that and and for me i know that these industries and record labels they put so much money into it because they know how powerful music is and they know how 
you know, deeply ingrained, it can get into our subconscious and our psyches when we, when we're open and receptive to that, right. you know, which is why I, I love what we're doing as independent artists, you know, because we, we are kind of this counter, the opposite of that realm where there's so much money and it fueled in it, but it's also very corrupted and, and distorted. Right. Whereas, you know, we're, we're also, we're the counter of that of trying to create sounds and music and, you know, vibrations that create inspiration and people to feel their, themselves within not tune out, mm. you know, with catchy tunes and bad lyrics. Right. You know, so it, music is, is, yeah, I would say one of the most potent ways of influence in our world for sure. I mean, you're right. It has created movements just, just from a song. Yeah. A thousand percent. That, that one song just went freaking huge. The yeah. Anthony Rich, Richmond. Yeah. yeah Richmond, North of Richmond. Yep. That was wild to see. Um, but you know, happy for that guy for sure. And any of us are capable of that, you know, when you channel your heart, you know, it wasn't just what he was saying, but how you could feel his his heart. It's how he's given it for sure. Yeah. It was like a cathartic release. I mean, he was just really emotionally giving it. I mean, just a simple song and guitar. J- right. Just that alone. Yeah, that that I totally watched that whole journey. It was crazy. I mean, I, I think I saw him like that day when it started happening and he had like I don't know, 10,000 followers or something and and literally within like 2 or 3 weeks he had a million followers. Like that's right. that is unbelievable (laughs) i saw the the same thing you know i i follow a couple of these ufc fighters because uh the company that i work with uh sheath sponsors them and uh, one of them had just reposted it and just said this song just blew me away that simple and i was like well i want to be blown away so i clicked on the (laughs) link and i was blown away and that was at the, the the day it started going viral and then uh, the next day, like five people sent it to me like, dude, you got to hear this. I was, dude, I heard it yesterday. I was one of the first ones to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the OG. <laughs> yep. I've been in here since day one. No, <laughs> Which was <But> yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's funny, man. Well, um, yeah. I actually did want to get into this topic too, because Time Wheel is actually about to uh, co-release a single that you're doing with Watashi um, called uh, Omashu. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And dude, I was straight up blown away and inspired by your vocal performance on that. Um, Thank you, man. Thank yeah, you. and it's such a unique sound. I, I don't, I, I can't recall very many singers that hit me the way that your voice hits. So I, I'm curious, man. How did this journey with vocals come about? Because <laughs> you're very talented. I mean, I'm, I'm super surprised to hear you've never taken vocal lessons. Um, because you, it's, it's just really in the pocket, man. But how did how did that happen? How did you become a vocalist? You know. Oh man, I appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I would attribute it to definitely Blink One Eighty Two. You know, my my brother being and I being 15, 14, 16 years old. You know, we covered so many of those songs, and and their songs are so simple, especially with their harmonies. So it actually trained my ear to harmonize really well. Nice. as well so him and i would sing together all the time and do the the harmony parts with, with those songs mm-hmm. um so that that was like the perfect like entry level way of learning how to let my voice come out with these very simple to sing songs mm-hmm. um and then i was playing drums at first you know like i said i started with drums as 12 and did that throughout high school um and then at, at a 
at 18 years old, uh, I was, I was sitting with this, this group of guys. Uh, one guy was in a band that I used to be in in high school was now in a band with these guys and we were all smoking hookah and just hanging out and they were playing some cover songs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like brand new, uh, I, I don't know if you know bands like Finch. Um, I haven't, I've heard of brand new, but, um, I, I, I think I might've told you, or I told someone recently that, that one of my old girlfriends, used to really be into brand new so i would hear it around but but not nice. finch i haven't heard of them yeah so it's just just from that that genre emo stuff um they played some like new fun glory stuff uh and so they were covering songs and i would sing to those songs and all four of them you know looked at me and they're like whoa like dude mm-hmm. we're actually looking for a singer like, do you want to try out for us? And, and like, sure. You know, I never saw myself as a lead singer of a band. And mm-hmm. yeah, the next day we went to their rehearsal space. We, we, they gave me, uh, their songs that they're working on and, and just, I just freestyled basically mm-hmm. to their music. Uh, and basically overnight they're like, yeah, we want you as our, <laughs> our singer. I'm like, okay. Cause that, that was, you know, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not, I'm not like, it wasn't like natural to me to be this like front man type mm-hmm. of energy, you know? Um, but so, so that, that's what really, really impacted me where I got that validation from people that I respected musically. I mean, they, they were really good musicians. Their music was great. I loved it back then. Yeah. Um, and then we spent, you know, two, three weeks just in the studio writing vocal parts, writing lyrics and the vocal ideas that were, that I was coming up with. Also, I, I felt that validation from them. Like, man, this is fucking dope. Like, this mm. is amazing, you know? And um, so that, that really opened me up to where my voice could go. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll send you the link to our stuff. We actually uploaded on Spotify. I mean, no, nobody knows it's there, but, but it's just like a, we did it for fun, nice. but you'll, you'll be able to hear kind of where my voice was and where it's at now. It was, yeah. it was very, very different. Um, but still, you know, a, a very wide range. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just being in that band and then, you know, fast forward to my style now and kind of with, with this new song that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I, nowadays I live more in the falsetto for sure. Mm-hmm. That that's kind of just where I feel the most at home with. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, I, I would say sound healing stepping into that world now, you know, eight years ago or whatnot. Um, cause singing is my main instrument in the sound healing space. You know, my brother will play an instrument and then I'll vocalize with whatever he's playing yeah. or I'll play an instrument and sing. Um, but I feel like being in, in the sound healing space has also allowed me to really experiment with my vocality, you know, so I would do kind of lower stuff, but then I would do more of the falsetto and bring it up and down. And and so I, I, I just can tell that that wired me to really expand what my voice was able to do. Um, and that influenced my songwriting. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, I just felt more comfortable with, yeah, falsetto singing and, and just really getting experimental with it. Um, yeah, but that, that's the most I could say, I guess, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's just really just practicing over and over again and ex- experimenting to me, I think is the most important way of discovering your voice and like getting comfortable is just literally letting things happen with your voice and singing out loud consistently to the point where you discover things like, Ooh, that felt good to mm-hmm. do that. And, and the more you do that, the more you find your sound. Right. So it's just years of that, of just genre hopping and experimenting got me to this place where now I feel like I feel really dropped into my style of singing for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the track, it feels, you know, this is part of the inspiration. And I actually hit up Watashi and, and I said, dude, um, 
I want to hop on one of your tracks now because yeah, I was so inspired by what you guys did. Uh, but I was like, damn, I haven't even heard like this kind of bass music have have such a well done vocal part and even the lyrics, you know, like it's very common in like bass music and dubstep and for there to be like vocal chops, you know, um, very small, like, like one thing that repeats a lot throughout, like in the new Skrillex album, for example, like there's usually like one vocal line and they just like chop it up and it plays over and over and over. It's very repetitive. Um, and I enjoy it for sure. I'm not saying I don't enjoy it, but with yours, it, it, it felt like a song, like it had like a story to it and it had, um, you know, in, in the way that we grew up in the rock bands, it, it felt more like a, a story in the way that a rock singer would vocal, you know, use the vocals to tell a story, mm-hmm. but I'd never, if I have heard it, it's very few and far between heard it with like bass music is is that something intentional (laughs) like you're trying to kind of weave these genres together or are you inspired by another kind of artist doing a similar thing because i just haven't really been exposed to music like that very much (laughs) that's a great question man um because i i've never really heard (laughs) anybody like use that kind of vocal style with bass music same yeah you know, and, and I think it, it does come from my influence of songwriting for other genres and just that style of creating a verse and then having, you know, th- this song in particular doesn't have much of a chorus. It's just kind of like one little line because mm-hmm. bass music is kind of more designed for that. Once that drop hits, now it's just time to move your body and dance and then right. it comes back to that verse and then the vocals come back, um, which doesn't always have to be that way, but it just makes sense for this genre. Um, but it, yeah, I would say it, it definitely comes from, songwriting in the past for like pop rock music and even the stuff that i have out now on my spotify as b lewis you know it it is very much a a song structure um and and i i'm definitely wanting to lean more into a a bass style uh songwriting i I definitely want that that, that's something i've been really feeling called to is to really lean more into that style um Mm -hmm. so that's why i was so stoked to do this track with 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 Tashi. yeah um because i'm wanting to do that Uh, a lot of my tracks are kind of have more of like a medicine kind of sound to them Mm -hmm. like like a like a chill more warm beat with like the angoni and stringed instruments which I love. And, and I, I think I'll always create those songs as well, but I'm, I'm really wanting to lean more into this kind of style with, yeah. you know, just a really smooth beat, dope baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would say the, the, the vocal style definitely comes from just my, my past of just writing songs in general. Yeah, know? for sure. Dude. Like that's always, that's always close to my heart to create lyrics like that for songs. So yeah, it's fun to do it with bass music now. Totally. Well, I'm going to, you know, by the time this publishes, the song will be out. Everyone listening, please go listen to this song. I think you're going to be blown away. Yeah. Uh, it'll, it'll be the link in the description. And uh, yeah, you guys let us know what you think. Leave a comment, you know, whether it be on the podcast or on my Instagram or on the SoundCloud upload or the YouTube upload that we're going to do on Time Wheel. Um, because, yeah, I have a feeling you guys are going to like this. And, and after hearing this and learning, you know, more about where B Lewis is drawing his inspiration, um, that you guys will really enjoy that. So the, the last kind of thing I wanted to get into is around DJing. So, you know, you guys as cloud people bring like really dope bass sets and, um, 
as well with Ecstatic Bass, which is a, an event that you're co-producing uh, under the Sound of Sacred, who I've had um, glow on the podcast as well. And actually next week, I'm going to have your brother on, uh, Anthony. So um, that's going to be dope to, to hear his story as well. But as far as you guys, you know, not only doing sound healing, but stepping into the DJ world, what is a, a little bit of the story there, you know, as far as like, how did that um, develop out of, out of sound healing? Yeah. Um, so, so I will say Anthony, he, he's definitely the DJ of, of the duo. That's something I still haven't stepped into. And, and it's definitely like a closet passion of mine to, to lean into that. Cause I, I so much crave being able to manipulate the sounds and the, and the tracks and transitions. And I feel it in my body so much, especially as a drummer with just beats and rhythms. Mm-hmm. Um, so he holds that between us two for sure. Got it. Got it. Um, and for me, it's it, what makes us such a fun duo is that when he's able to really hold that part of it down, I'm able to set up my mic and and really freestyle with a lot of the mm. stuff that he's playing. Um, which again, I'm I'm I've just used to flowing with my voice in many different ways, whether it's dropped in sound healing experience or with a really dope beat and bass music, I can also freestyle there. Gotcha. Um, so what you experienced there was yeah, it was very much just uh, what we do best, which is channeling in the moment and mm-hmm. um as far as how we discovered that i mean yeah i i think it's literally just jamming i mean we, we used to host like 40 person jams uh, back in san diego oh, nice. um where he would set up a little station and drop some beats and then i would freestyle sing and then some other people would come up and take turns and gotcha. um so we've just always it, it started out just because we simply love to do it it, mm-hmm. it was just fun to sing and jam to really epic music uh, and then obviously as the years went on, he started taking on his DJ stuff a lot more seriously. And I've been leaning to my solo act as, as a singer. Gotcha. And so it just made sense to let's make this a performative thing where we, you know, have a set where you play the beats, I freestyle sing. And we're actually, uh, we're, we are working on recording actual songs for Cloud People. So we, right now we, we really focused on the sound healing aspect of Cloud People. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, but we do want to, we're, we're going to start recording in the, in the next month or so uh, actual tracks that we can perform and play and, uh, and I can sing rehearsed lyrics that I wrote written for it. Nice. Um, we're, we're, we're trying to create bass music merged with sound healing and like create some kind of fusion between the two. Right. Um, Cause I don't, I don't know if that's really out there right now. Totally. Like, yeah. 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 We're, we're trying to find a way to create this like Epic, kind of bass music feeling where it creates like inspiration and has these beautiful tones, but it's still got those womps that we all want with bass music. Right. Um, so very much in the near future, we're definitely going to have our own tracks to perform as well as with an actual set. So Absolutely. it'd be cool. Dude, yeah. that's going to be exciting. Yeah. I can't wait for that. Totally, man. Well, yeah. awesome. I think, uh, I think that's, yeah, I think that's good, man. To, uh, good little podcast here to get to know you better um i think we'll be around each other more and more you know um hopefully we keep collaborating on events and and running into each other at shows and stuff so of course yeah it's been an honor to have you on the pod today man um where can people learn more you know shout out your handles and uh yeah where to 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 find you yeah thanks so much man um yeah so you you can just i I would say instagram is the best that's where i keep my link tree and it has my links to everything so if you just follow uh b dot true t-r-u 
without the E. So b.tru.lewis, L-O-U-I-S. Uh, make sure it's L-O-U-I-S. A lot of people put L-E-W. Um, so that's my Instagram handle. And then Spotify, same thing, just b.lewis. And, and you'll be able to L-O-U-I-S. Yeah, you'll find all the music that I've put out over the last few years. Um, yeah, that's the best way for sure. And, and thank you so much, brother. I, I truly, truly respect what you're doing and how you're stewarding, uh, just getting musicians together and releasing epic music with your label and, and all the things that you're up to, uh, is really, really inspiring and yeah. honored to be here. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening today. We'll see you on the next episode. And thank you once again, brother, for being here today. Um, of course. We'll, we'll chat soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, brother.